This is LiveWell Talk on pain management and treatment. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Union Point Health St. Luke's Hospital. Joining me today on the podcast to discuss chronic pain and its treatment uh, is Dr. Katherine Reed, a pain medicine specialist and board-certified anesthesiologist with Link County Anesthesia. Dr. Reed, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, the CDC says that about a fifth of the population deals with some sort of chronic pain. We're in the middle of an opioid epidemic um, that's been going on for a while, mm-hmm. uh, the issues of fentanyl, et cetera. Uh, maybe we ought to just start out, to, what, what is chronic pain? Right, that's a good question. Chronic pain um, typically can be defined as pain that lasts longer than a typical um, acute process is expected to last. So uh, some people could have a sprain or a strain that we expect to heal or have um, even a surgical intervention and you have an expected time frame of healing and their pain persists past that expected typical time frame. Um, it can vary anywhere between three to six months, typically before we decide to define it as chronic pain. And um, that would be based on the patient's presentation or what we think maybe caused the pain to begin with, to start with. In your practice or in your experience, what do you think causes people to have chronic pain? Are Because some people have the same surgery, recover fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Other people, no. Um, so what, in your opinion, what do you think predisposes people right i think that there's so many factors when you're considering chronic pain and how uh patients respond to healing you know people can have degeneration uh of their bodies whether it's arthritis or age-related changes structural changes to their body that has occurred maybe due to a fracture that has altered um, their anatomy um muscle tone overall muscle uh strength that can uh, lead somebody to having uh, chronic pain. Um, so that is, it's really not a very specific, like this leads to this. It is really a combination of factors that contribute to somebody not healing in an expected time frame or responding to an insult to their body in uh, a way that just never really heals appropriately. I... I, I professionally correct patients when I'm encountered with the conversation. I know you've heard this too. Uh, oh, I have a low pain tolerance or she has a high pain tolerance. I'm like, you know, pain, you can't compare, compare patient mm-hmm. A to patient B because it's just different. And yes. You know, so when the family says, well, grandma has a high pain tolerance or low pain tolerance, this is, I, it, it's, it's what grandma feels. Right. It's yeah, very I'm not, personable. Yeah. I'm very not here personal. to rate what your pain tolerance is, nor, uh, you know, it's like I always say, the sight of blood bothers me specifically when it's my own. Right. You know, right. <laughs> Very true. You know, that, yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm a weak person. I just don't like to bleed. Yeah. Um, and so, but how do you, how do you individualize your treatment plans then because of the wide spectrum of, right. of and these patients? So, you know, you want to get a good history. You know, you want to understand their background, what their, you know, what traumas maybe they've experienced what uh, the evolution of their, their uh, history, you know, what their pain history has been and what things that they've done 
how they have kind of gone through this pattern that they where they are in your, your clinic, uh, a good physical exam to see, you know, how they hold their bodies, what their posture is like, uh, where their strengths are. Do they have core weakness that that's contributing to the back pain? Um, and then, in you know, in conjunction with looking at their imaging uh x-rays or MRIs and things like this, and globally just take into account all of these factors when you're trying to diagnose somebody with um, a condition to see what is an appropriate intervention and, you know, what you can offer that patient to help. I, I remember a couple winters ago, um, is prior to the pandemic, but um, snow was really heavy. I could move with my snowblower, long story short, shoveled. Mm-hmm. Kind of developed some tendonitis in my wrist, and I, it lasted like maybe seven days or so. You know, mm-hmm. it really bothered me. But, but I thought to myself, man, this has just put me in a bad mood, right? Right? You know, because every right. time I go to use it, it hurts. And I thought, wow, this is much what patients that have chronic pain have to deal with every day. Yeah, it can uh, be very debilitating, very limiting to their desire to want to engage in activities, to engage in social functions. You know, if your back hurts, you know, maybe you don't, you can't even go watch your grandkid perform in the recital because it's too hard to walk that length of, from the parking lot into the facility or to sit for a prolonged period of time. And then you start decreasing that engagement. And as we know from the pandemic, when people do that, your mental health can decline. And so overall quality of life, functionality really starts to decrease because you may change the way that you behave because of this symptom, you know, because of what you're feeling. Now, what is the most common that you see up in the pain clinic? Um, Back pain? A lot of back pain. I mean, we see, you know, I would say a lot of patients have back pain, chronic neck pain, axial neck pain, axial back pain. Those are some of the chronic, like very common chronic pains. Some people do have pain that will shoot into their arms or into their legs. And that is a different kind of subset of pain. Some people have uh, pain of a shoulder joint or of a knee joint, um, pain in the buttocks or into the hip joints. Uh, Those kind of are more common, you know, presentations that we see, um, complaints that we have of patients that come in, you know, um, and then we just kind of start trying to figure out which of the, you know, maybe they have multiple things, you know, which one bothers you the most, you know, because we may have to address different ones at different times and see how we can get their baseline to be, you know, if their baseline is a seven, you know, if we can decrease your baseline to a five or a four, are you more functional? You know, what are you able to accomplish during the day? What activities can you get to? What are you able to do, you know, easier? So. I think I think that's been a big paradigm shift for the best, for the better. Um, you know, we went through the whole pain is the fifth vital sign. Your colleague, Dr. Klein, mm-hmm. can give that lecture about how that influenced opioid sure. prescribing. And yes. he can tell you how he's sitting in a lecture hall where they said these aren't addictive. You know, I mean, right. if you ever get a chance to talk to Mark about it, it's really interesting. But... Um, I do like how we've got away from this number mm-hmm. to functional pain. Like, mm-hmm. okay, what is it you want to do? I want to walk better. Okay, right. let's fix that. Rather than, you know, take you from a six to a three or whatever. Yeah. And that. I think that has to be taken in context. I mean, we do still use these numbers, but it varies for each person. Right. Yeah. But if you're more functional at a three, that's what I'm worried about. You know, how can you be more functional? And that number is helpful for that person, but doesn't, you know, it doesn't really transfer over to another person. It's just whatever your 
patients' numbers are for them. Right. And then you use Yeah, someone else is 11 totally and somebody else is 2. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's so just so true. Cha- increasing functionality, continuing to have good quality of life. These are the things that we really try to have as, you know, as goals. Like when we're talking about like align like having good goals, like what are what kind of uh what are we projecting here to see, you know, what are we going to have? So patient comes to the pain clinic uh, and, it, you know, it's interventional pain clinic. I mean, you have these tools that you use. Mm-hmm. What are some of the tools you use uh, to help people? Right. We um, typically use x-ray or the fluoroscopy. Uh, that helps us see the bones, see the joints, um, so that we can target medications like local anesthetics or steroid medications directly at in those joint spaces or where we predict the nerves are going to flow over the joints. Okay. Also, we can use ultrasound. Um, which depending on what the situation is, that can be helpful, um, for peripheral nerves, but frequently we are using x-rays. And, and what sort of response do most patients get? Um, I mean, just in my personal practice or taking care of patients over the years, you have some people that go see you guys once and they're fixed and other people last couple weeks and... Uh, I know you work closely with the spine surgeons mm-hmm. and orthopedic surgeons to give some options prior to surgery. Tell us a little bit about the responses that you see. So it, you know, it's variable. You know, um, some people have really excellent response. It could, you know, a steroid typically takes about two weeks to work. So I say don't make any judgments until we're at least two weeks into this. Um, for example, if a disc is protruding in their back and pushing on a nerve. You know, we, our goal is to apply the steroid in specifically to that area to try to decrease, decrease the inflammation of the tissues and the nerve to relieve some of this pain that they're feeling. Um, sometimes that is very helpful and does not require a further surgical assessment. Um, but it's a good first line. You know, if you have pain that's shooting down your leg, having a lumbar epidural would be a good first line of therapies, you know, as far as interventional procedures considered prior to considering surgery, because you may not, you know, need to go and have something as extreme, but each patient's very different. Maybe they don't respond well, and you do need to continue down the pathway, you know, speaking with the surgeon. Um, Patients that have arthritis of the knee, of the shoulder, sometimes we are able to intervene with, um, putting steroids around the, in mm-hmm. the shoulder joint, in the knee joint, um, and preventing patients from having to, you know, proceed with surgical interventions. Um, one of the procedures that I do um, is genicular nerve blocks and genicular nerve ablations. The genicular nerve is a nerve that controls sensation of the knee joint. There are three nerves that are targeted that control sense of the knee. And if patients have uh, chronic knee pain or really uh, severe osteoarthritis, or the patient is not a, a candidate to have a total joint replacement or doesn't choose to have a total joint replacement at the time, we can do a two-step procedure where we go in, block the nerve, the genicular nerve with local anesthetic, see if their pain improves. And if that pain does improve, we can go in with um, something called radiofrequency ablation, where we go in and use special needles to uh, heat that area up, and it uh, it destroys the nerve. Temp- you know, at that t- at that area temporarily, the nerve will regenerate over time, but it can give substantial pain relief. I mean, a lot of the patients that I've been treating with this have eighty percent plus improvement in pain, able to go up and down stairs, able to you know walk 
um, distances that they were not able to walk before. Um, and either they're able to avoid having surgery or some people have had surgery and it just wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't really increase their quality of life enough. And that's one of the variables that, you know, it's difficult to predict, right? But this procedure is, has been very helpful. Occasionally, uh, sadly, you do get a patient that has a total knee joint yes. and they don't really get the benefit. You Correct. Despite the fact that the yeah. procedure is yeah. done 100% right. perfect, yep. it looks great on imaging. Yep. They did and their they, therapy. And, they did yeah. their therapy. Mm -hmm. They have good range of motion. There's really nothing from a surgical standpoint to further um, uh, improve upon. You know, it looks good structurally. And why does that person continue to have pain? I mean, it's it can be a little perplexing and frustrating for the surgeon, for the patient. Oh, yeah. You know, and so then that's when um, they send them to me and we are able to try now, with this procedure. You did your anesthesia training where? At the University yeah, of at Iowa. At the University of Iowa. And where did you do your pain? At the University it, of You Iowa. went back and did yeah. it there. Yes. Okay. I knew you did that. Yeah. No. Well, if a patient wants to come to the pain clinic, how, how do they need a referral? How's that work? Yes. Our clinic does work on referral basis. So, um, you would talk with your primary care uh, physician um, and, you know, make sure that you've had the appropriate workup, uh, which can include physical therapy and, you know, getting images uh, prior to coming to our clinic. Um, or if you are seeing a surgeon, you know, the surgeons will refer to. But uh, we want to make sure that there isn't anything structurally that needs to be uh, fixed or any other uh, inflammatory condition that could be contributing to this, autoimmune condition that could be contributing to this. So we want to make sure that from a primary care standpoint, you know, that other things have been eliminated and, and then they're coming to us, you know, ready for an interventional procedure. Yeah, I was watching uh, 600 Pound Life the other night. And the lady lost a bunch of weight and she got neuralgia parasthetica on her uh -huh. thighs, you know, mm -hmm. and the doctor now is like, oh, I don't know if there's anything we can do. I'm like, what, yes, are you there kidding is. me? Just send them to the pain <laughs> yes, clinic. Yes, there is. They'll do a block. She'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. That anyway. nerve is, uh, is such a tiny nerve and it can have such a yeah, profound yeah. This pain This lady really bad, but I've seen patients that yeah. when they have that weight loss that pulls on that yeah, nerve. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, why, why pain medicine? You were, you were an anesthesiologist. You are an anesthesiologist. Yes. You went back and did pain what, what attracts you to that? Well, that is a good question. I'd always kind of thought about it, even in residency. And this, the my life was just not at a point where I was ready to commit to that extra year of training. Um, I was just starting my family and having a lot of babies. And there's a five, just five, for, no, <laughs> yeah. five babies. There is a significant listeners. amount of radiation that you are exposed to as as the pain physician. So I was thinking, oh man, do I really want to do that right now? The answer was no. So, um, I, and I joined LCA, which is fabulous, and we predicted a need that we would, um, some of our uh, anesthesiologists that are in the pain clinic are going to be retiring in the next few years. And so they said, you know, if anybody's interested, this would be a good time to go if anyone wants to do, a, you know, further training. Mm -hmm. And I thought, now's the time. And so sure. I went back and did a fellowship at the university for a year, and, um, and now I'm here, you know treating, uh, you know, our, the patients in our community. And it's very, um, fulfilling, you know, to have a patient that you're working through, uh, problems with, you know, figuring out how to, you know, help them have better quality of life. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it's huge. No, I, it's, it's can be very life changing, you know, to that's have. a working when I'm used to work in the wound clinic. For sure. At least you see yes. people get better. Usually when you're an internist, you know, they're, 
that you control their diabetes, but it's still there. You control their blood pressure, mm-hmm. but it's still mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. high blood pressure. Uh, so, yeah. Well, Dr. Reed, thank you for joining me, your first podcast, and hopefully not your last. For sure. Uh, Once again, this is Dr. Catherine Reed, a board-certified and fellowship-trained pain medicine specialist with Lynn County Anesthesia. To learn more about St. Luke's Interventional Pain Clinic, uh, call 319-369-8204. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.